Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay! We are excited to talk to you on the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Yay! I am Gertito, and that is Shelley Mazanoble. Hi, how are you? Doing so good. Very excited to be here and chat with you on this day of days. Me too. I don't know how to tell this to you, Greg, but I might have found your dog. (laughs) Now, for those of you listening, Greg, Tito, and family did say, help us find a dog. And I am like a dog broker. I have my finger on the pulse of all of the shelters around Seattle and sometimes foster through them. So I get to see like, oh, like this these dogs are coming in from Texas and need Ooh. foster homes. So I get like, you know, it's like a pocket listing in real estate yeah. for dogs. However, this one is not one of those. This one is available through, I believe, Seattle Animal Shelter. And his name is Milton. Milton. Aww. And he is a terrier mix, which I think is good for you because there are some pet allergies. I don't know what the mix part is, but um, he's quite dreamy. And We're going to have to run it through the gamut, see if it'll be given a thumbs up by the Tito ladies. Okay. We shall see. All right. Well, I'm afraid to start sending pictures because I, I have a feeling that the Tito ladies are going to have very soft hearts when it comes to any furry little four-legged creatures. Since you sent the link for uh, the shelters, they have been doing exactly that where they're like, oh, my God. Milton Tito. It's name Come is on. Jane or whatever. Yeah. I this know. guy is like, oh my God. He's cool. Uh, he's a snuggle buddy, a great little walker, and he loves everyone. Well, he won't love me. <laughs> because I do not like dogs. I'm such a jerk. I don't want to be the parent who is like forbidding dogs just because I have a, you know, annoyance factor with them. <laughs> also, I'm the fact that I'm the one who will have to pick up Whatever it leaves behind. Not necessarily. From 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. when everyone gets home. Uh, Unless you want to come over. Can you come over and walk the dog for us? I would walk your dog. You have to roll some animal handling to make sure uh, it uh, likes you. I'm I'm skilled in animal handling. Yeah, you are. You're trained. I'm trained. So I will. Lock picking as well to be able to get into my my I will. Milton! Aunt Shelly is outside. Um, Don't mind the hex blood. Don't mind. (laughs) I'm leaving you a fingernail so you can talk to me and tell me when it's time to go for your walkie. And the dog would probably just eat the fingernail. Whatever. And become hex blood itself. See, I understand. That's how it all that's how it all works. But anyway, Greg Tito needs a dog. So everyone, please help me in my crusade and getting. A nice terrier for the Tito family. Terriers for Titos. Oh my gosh, that's I love it. It's got it's got alliteration, poetry, <laughs> everything is going on with this cause. I love Amazing. it. I love it. Well, I, I I think you may have had some animal handling in in your latest D and D adventures with my children's. Yes, I I have to just tell you, I am a dungeon master. Y- you are. I don't even know what's happening anymore, but I like roll into an elementary school with bags full of stuff and I sit 
down at a table and we make stories happen. And they're playing with these kids. And let me tell you, there are definitely some that we will probably be working for in the future. Um, One in particular is like, he's baby Jeremy Crawford. Like I can absolutely see him in like sweater vests talking about D&D rules, like super into DMing. He's like, well, after the first session, I really got interested in Dungeons and Dragons. So I decided to read the rule books. And I said, what rule books? And he goes, all of them. (laughs) Did I tell you this? I think so. I think so. But I'm excited because I love that this kid is so learned. Well, so that was the first week. Second week, he then invited a bunch of friends to go to Meeple's, our local game store, to teach people how to play, to teach all of his new friends how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. So not only is he learning, he's teaching and learning by teaching. I love it. Exactly. So so um, it is very delightful to see inspiration happening and like when they like really start to get it it's it's really cool i i can't believe that i am enjoying this i'm doing it you guys after years of you being adamantly against it uh not wanting to wade in you have in fact done so and now you're swimming you're not you're not just waiting you are full-on immersed i feel like i might be swimming but i definitely still have like um the little swimmies attached to my arms. <laughs> I'm not quite, quite there. Although they are, they are definitely throwing some challenges at me, but I am, I I feel like I'm like okay, like whatever, just yes and I'll just make it happen. Not and panicking, not panicking. We get into some of that in this interview that is coming up. We talk to April Raygun. She is a. Atlanta-based TTRPG player in tons of live streams and charity drives. We're going to hear all about her journey in uh, getting into Dungeons & Dragons as well as uh, making it a a big part of her life. Um, But before we do that, I wanted to just acknowledge the uh, huge boulette in the room. Um, (laughs) There has, of course, been some controversy in the Dungeons & Dragons community over the last month or so regarding the OGL and what Wizards was going to do with it. Uh, we have actually wanted to engage a lot more on this with Dragon Talk, and perhaps we will in the future. Um, but we wanted to at least know that many uh, community members who listen to this were hurting, still are hurting, uh, and uh, we are committed to building all back that trust and make it happen. But for now, Dragon Talk is going to continue with what we've always done, which is focus on the stories. Uh, and the community and how they can uh, come to life. So that's what we're going to be doing here for now. Like I said, there may be more interviews with yes. uh, people around this topic to come. Yes. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. For- Shelly literally told me she was going to yes and. Ye- plus one to what Greg said. <laughs> we have, yes, been, been in it with all of you. Yes, yeah, we, we, are, we and right, that, that's actually a really good point. Like we've all been like watching and crying and, and and gnashing our teeth along with everyone else at this. Yes, but we have a great community, and we love you guys. Yeah, and we want to lift you up. So that's what we're going to continue to do. Yes, and have been doing in the background. Uh, all right, so here we go. Let's talk to April Reagan. Yeah. yeah. Let's welcome April Reagan to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! April! Hi! Yay! Hello! Ooh. 
I don't so ex- know what else to say, but hi. <laughs> that <laughs> well, works. We're excited you're here calling all the way in from Atlanta. Atlanta. Yes, uh, it is a beautiful sunny day here today as I just <laughs> gestured as if this was a video uh, thing and not a podcast. You can't see the sun, but I promise it's there. <laughs> we can see it. It looks beautiful. You sound like you're in a sunny area. We are in cold. Uh, it's still sunny, but cold, cold Seattle. Oh, I love Seattle, though. I, I like the cold. Um, so now that it's like 60, it's too much for me. <laughs> oh, 60. That sounds amazing. That sounds like summer. That's what all of my, uh, my Florida relatives will say. It's like, oh, it's cold. It's like 70. I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, you yeah. shut your mouth. <laughs> put on a long sleeve shirt. I yeah. guess. Uh, but you have been doing tons of uh, uh, TRPG live streaming and uh, lots of organizing and so many fun things. You're, you're in a lot of games right now. Can you, why don't you tell us about them? What are you, what are you playing? Ah, uh, right now, uh, tonight, today's Wednesday. Wednesdays are Fantastic <laughs> Kings and Where to Find Them. Um, Wednesdays where they just comes out. I don't know why I keep thinking this is like in-person live right now. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I play a really awesome kobold bard um, hmm. for a street, uh, channel called That's How We Roll, Hope Lavelle, who uh, a lot of D&D people know is our yeah. DM, and she's doing phenomenal. Um, I'm in another one where we're doing like Ark and Hold, where I'm a... A platypus barbarian, which <laughs> I just like playing weird creatures, and I get to play a two foot tall barbarian, and it's the happiest you can make me. That's amazing. Oh, okay, we're gonna touch back on that. For Eat sure. your heart out, gnomes. We got platypuses. <laughs> but then on the other side, I I play um a six foot two fairy in Ampistrato, <laughs> where I am the tallest uh, member of the party as a fairy. Did you okay. get enlarged? Is that what I, happened? So it's a homebrew world, so fairies don't get the ability to enlarge or reduce until mm. uh, much later. So we're all just full-size fairies until later. Nice. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, I love this. I, I like that you head- just like to play against type a little bit. just As much as possible. Yeah, that's what it should be. That's what it's for. Like, why, why be a human? I ask all of you people who play humans. We're like, Why? everyone plays elves and tieflings. I want to be like a, a weird creature. Yes. And I, I am here for it. Hey, find your fun. That's what it's all about. Right? For some people, it is being a fun human because you can be yeah, I know. slightly I know. weird without necessarily being uh, uh, otherworldly. Yeah. I it's just, I play a human in real life. I don't need to play one <laughs> in a game. That's what I say, too. <laughs> yes. With all of these other options, I am going to just... Go for it. Something mm-hmm. different. Uh, but I don't even think that's all. There's more, right? More campaigns that you're... Uh, there's a Vampire the Masquerade campaign coming out <laughs> that we we literally started crowdfunding today. North by Northwest, which is a D&D podcast. Our new season of Scum and Villainy is coming out where I play an amoeboid. Another just small, <laughs> yeah. weird, awkward thing <laughs> that I could get. Um, there's a bunch. Um, there's other things coming out uh, that I can't really talk about yet. But... I promise you I'll be a small, weird creature in that as well. <laughs> now, did you, when you started playing, were you always in the vein of playing uh, against type or, or, or you know, strange creatures? Um, I, I lo- like a lot of people, I think, when I first started, I played, I played a, uh, an elf. I wanted to be a hot elf. That's yeah. all I cared about. <laughs> and then I realized how much you can actually do and the things you can create and the creatures you can play. And I just found that I had more fun doing some of the things that weren't the, the norm. Mm. Mm-hmm. What would be so when you decide to play a character like a platypus? 
So how do you get yourself into the mind of like what? I, I can't even really imagine like what. <laughs> tell me about this platypus character and what this uh, platypus character is. it like does. Perry? Did you have to watch a lot of, what was that, Phineas uh, and Ferb with uh, Perry the platypus? <laughs> oh, wow. The, the, I kept trying so hard to stay away from a P name because I kept going, <laughs> I'm Patrice the Platypus. Wait, no, I can't do that. And every time I just started going into the uh, Newfish first voice and I had to stop, uh, which is why my character's name has an A name now. Um, but funny enough, I walk around and chase the cats going, wah, 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 wah. even though I'm a platypus, <laughs> I just quack at them for some reason <laughs> on that day and that day only. Love They're that. like, oh, it's D&D &D day. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they've gotten used to me making weird noises as I run around the house at them, uh, depending on the day in the game. Nice. That's how you All get right. in the headspace. That makes sense. You just quack at them. All right. Yeah. 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 I do a lot of like running or run around the house with my arms down and like just shake back and forth like a, <laughs> as if like a platypus on two legs trying to run. <laughs> None of this really helps, but it's fun. <laughs> get your lips in a duck lips shape. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm, yep. Very popular. <laughs> For the selfies. <laughs> Very popular. Yes, get the platypus lip. Um, so, okay, in, are the other players in the, this campaign also uh, small, odd? Funny <laughs> enough, for Arkenholt, we all are small. We have um, a, a tabaxi, um, a herringon, I'm a platypus, a furbolg. Oh, um, none of us are really humanoid. <laughs> That's. Did you plan it? To no, do that? Not just at all. Oh, oh, an I Alan. love it. An Alan is the other one. Yeah, Seriously? none of us planned on being animals. Uh, in the session zero, we just started saying, "What do you want to play? What do you want to play?" And we just realized that we were all just creatures and not humanoid. <laughs> I so love great. that. Yes, I'm. I'm feeling like a children's book here. I feel like uh, there I did could be play, adventures. I played in a Redwall campaign called Eulalia Five E. Oh. And um, that was also the kind of the same. We all played cute little animals in the Redwall world where I played an otter uh, twins with one of my really good friends. Oh my gosh, an otter. That was a lot of fun. That is the best. Um, my, my son and I have a thing about watching videos of just otters, just being otters. Every time I find one, I'm like, oh, like I'm ready to just pull him out of school and be like, I need, I need my son right now. I have to show him this video. Otters are a good time. I like their videos. I got hooked on watching them for that game. And now I still, every so often, I'm like I, having a bad day, click on the zoo link. That's exactly, the right? They, you cannot be unhappy looking mm -hmm. at otters. Just otters doing anything. It's impossible. Agree. Agree. So what what is your on-ramp into D&D? &D? How did you get started? Um, it's, I hated role-playing games. I didn't like them. I had some really bad experiences and didn't want to play I had moved to Atlanta and um, all the streaming stuff had gotten really big. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't what I thought. And I went to one Atlanta meetup for uh, gamers and I met my friend Nikki, who was like, hi, you're a girl. Do you want to help me plan Sladies? Which was a charity event that we used to do in Atlanta um, when you could still do big charity events live where we would have um, all femme DMs. We would like encourage more femme players. You'd get like a discount on your ticket for like the bar crawl. And we would throw these big charity events. Um, and that kind of COVID hit. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Right when we were planning our second um, big charity event. So we just moved it online. And I just kind of got stuck here. You had no choice. Got stuck. Yeah, I didn't have any. I, I literally was like, I don't want to play. D She's like, you're going to help me. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm helping you now. Uh, what wow. are the rules? So Sladies is, is relatively new? 
Um, that started right before COVID. Oh. I think 2019 was our first actual charity event. Um, so we like right after that happened and COVID got real big in 2020, we went online. We're currently on hiatus. Mm-hmm. We're doing a huge revamp. We're actually changing the name so we can be more inclusive um, because not everyone who is our group is a lady. And we wanted to change that. Nice. Very it cool. is a great pun, though. It really is. I know. It's it's a great name. Um, we're going to try to incorporate that still because we do love our name. Um, but we, like I said, I wanted to be more inclusive to our non-femme uh, presenting or female binary fr- uh, friends. Makes yeah, sense. definitely. And that's important, right? I mean, I think as, as you're as you're talking about this as well as some of the negative experience you might have had, like it is important to make sure that you show what is great about Dungeons & Dragons in-game Mm-hmm. whole bunch of different people from different backgrounds getting together to solve problems sure. and then doing that you know around the table as well you get better you get better results and more creative outcomes and games when you have a, a greatly a good diversity in the group yeah how do you you know what what's some advice that you could give for some folks who may have a group that doesn't have a lot of diversity like how how do, how do you make those inroads and try to try to be as inclusive as you can um i think especially with everything going online now and the ease of playing online and D beyond and all the books and stuff that you can get it's just putting yourself out there which can be hard but getting in discords um if there's a stream you like a lot of times they have a discord group if you hop in there you can meet new people and just just talking to different kinds of people and and learning more about the community you're around can help yeah and then it just extended invitations, right? Like it's a little bit just, you know, you have That's, to put your hand out there and shake someone else's hand in order to, I mean, metaphorically, in yeah. order to, uh, <laughs> to, to get that happening. So our first Ladies um, campaign, it was Nikki and I and a friend of ours who was part of Ladies in Atlanta. And we just put an open open application online. And that's how we met so many amazing people and uh, kind of started building our community and how I started meeting some other people and kind of branching out as well. And a lot of the games I do have those open um, applications, which I know it can be terrifying. An open application for a game is so scary sometimes, but you can sometimes find some of the coolest people. Yeah. So when you say open invitation, does that mean like that's come to the table and we'll just like you're uh, asking or inviting people so to come play with you? First ladies, we would have like those nights where you could just open invitation to anybody in the community, anyone online who wants to like kind of meet, just let us know and we'll like kind of arrange games and help you out. We had applications for other games, so people would kind of apply. And so you can kind of help weed, weed out and find the people that are best suited for your game. Yeah, that oh, application cool. process is so, I think, new mm-hmm. to the last five years, right? Like where in the it's, past it was like there were so few many people or, or, or it was harder to make connections. Um, and so you're like, oh, well, these are the people who play d d in my town or you know, in my game group, so this is what happens. To now where... Video conferencing makes it, you know, all the geographical barriers are kind of down and yeah. you can be a little bit more choosy, not necessarily in like, oh, I like this person, I don't like this person, but being like, all right, this is going to mesh for the type of game that I want, right? Because yeah. both the chemistry and the content that people want to experience from the Dungeon Master needs to needs to be on the same page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I, it's, choosy is a good word, but also like it gives you more opportunities. Like I've met so many cool people all over the world playing this game that I would have never met if I had just stuck with my small group or if I just stuck with the five people I knew. Um, I, I now play with people in Australia and New Zealand. We had people in our event from like Korea and New York and London and Ireland. And there was one from Germany. Uh, it's, it's, I get to play with all these people who are so cool and 
it's it's great. <laughs> yeah. And I it's can't so think cool. Of a better word. <laughs> it's just so it's cool that like you have this thing that connects you to all of these people around the world. Like there's mm-hmm. you can have many different experiences in your everyday life and where you grow up and where you live and and whatever's happening, but together when you come together at the table you kind of have that common ground. That's something yeah. that we can all relate to. Um which I, it's just it's fascinating that it's like it's it's everywhere. Um, I've but done I also, this. Did you, no, were you going to go to move on to something else? Or? I don't know, but go <laughs> <on>. <laughs> sorry, I was just going like kind of plus one because I've I've heard this a lot from people who had uh, not a lot of choice growing up playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. But then now you can see other people playing online, and 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 that you can was, see like. What Oh no way! Well, yeah, right. And so, like you can emulate those people and be like, "Oh, right? I want to do that kind of game right now," and and focus it a little bit more rather than having to stick with generalities that will fit, you know, a group that might not necessarily fit together. Uh, so I was an army brat. I grew up. Mm. Um, I was in a different school every year of my life until like junior year of high school. Uh, but like, rough. if they had a way to play online when I was younger, like mm-hmm. I could have changed everything. I never got to have a group that lasted more than a couple weeks. I never got to play with people more than once or twice. So getting to play a longer game, getting to meet people who are like able to like, we can match schedules and have all these things that we can do online that you couldn't do in person has really changed the way I think a lot of people play and how you look at the game. Yeah. My my husband is an army brat and he actually said that D&D is the, helped him because he w- would always have an in with somebody. Like he could oh, always nice. almost find another D&D player. They were a little bit more secretive about it, <laughs> but they could suss each other out. So he would have like that sort of that social connection mm-hmm. because of playing D&D. But I'm thinking also- of that old trope of like, you know, teenagers hiding magazines or comic books oh, in yeah. magazines, except he's hiding a DMG uh, in there. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> we would have been friends if I would have met yes. him back then. I only yes. knew like one group of kids who played D&D and they were like the worst kids. Uh, and so I was like, I'm just going to get a guitar. I'm a musician. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm going to find my people. There you right, go. Right, because musicians don't don't ever do anything destructive. No terrible no, people. not at all. <laughs> no. Look, when you're 15, it's... You just make a decision, and you that is the only decision. <laughs> yes. Pick but now you can have music identity. and D&D happen at the yeah, same right? time by playing a bard. There you go. Which I do Which you in do. one yeah. of my games. Do you, do you still play guitar? Uh, not as much. I am. I like have that I gotten, did this? I did my finger I, I like rings? The, yeah, it was yeah. great. Greg's doing an awesome air guitar right now. For, <laughs> sadly, none of you can see. <laughs> uh, just life got in the way. Got I old. hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I never really learned how to play guitar, but I, as Shelly pointed out, I do love air guitar. I used to walk around with a tennis racket in high school, strumming <laughs> it like I was really playing the guitar. Wow. And I made friends that way somehow. That's I don't know. Really? They were like, what are you doing? You that not. actually looks like the real fingering. I'm like, oh, that was by chance because I just was, you know, mimicking like Eddie Van Halen or whatever. So what we need oh. to do is get you a guitar and see what happens. Like you <laughs> could be, like we could put a guitar in your hands and you might be the next guitar prodigy. Let's do it. All this yeah. time. Well, you like it, you learn by watching. Do you always use that analogy when you talk about people playing D&D? Like mm-hmm. you don't learn how to play basketball because you read the manual. Do I sound like you? Yeah, totally. That's what I sound like. You watch, you learn by watching and then, <laughs> and then jumping in and playing. So like, maybe the same is true for guitar. 
We all want to be Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> I don't know. Doing no. the fingerings. I think it's it's not too late, Greg. It's not. <laughs> all right, we're gonna do it. My daughter just got a guitar for uh, for Christmas, so maybe I will just. Steal There's it. a guitar in your you home go. right now. Like, yeah. It's already there. <laughs> That's it. Go, get it. go get We're it. We're not right talking now. about me anymore. Go play the guitar <laughs> right now. I'll be right back. <laughs> and then the, I come on, and the first song you hear is like gold. It's going to be a hit immediately. Oh, you're like, what were you doing for the first 40, 40 years of your life? Dude, and you're going to go on tour. And we're not going <laughs> to like record anymore. I'll, right? I'll back up John Darnielle. Uh, we'll play D&D on tour. I'm like, you this can is open this for is the Decemberists. Hey, uh, yeah. Tom Morello plays D&D. You could, you, there's a lot of musicians. There you go. Be, go online in like six months. Man, I can't believe Greg's charging this much for tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I remember before he was famous. For it's guitar. not me, it's Ticketmaster, man. <laughs> Fight the power. <laughs> you can join forces with Pearl Jam. Yeah. And fight Ticketmaster again. Me and Taylor Swift and uh, go. Beyonce are going to take down Ticketmaster. Hey, I would mm-hmm. not question that grouping. <laughs> not at all. I was like, what do you want? You would. We're also going to play D&D on tour together, me and Beyonce. So it's happening. And Taylor, I, mean, I, I would and for sure pay to watch that game. <laughs> like, there's got to be a Patreon to get that to happen, right? Now, can we get Jake Gyllenhaal to come? Or is that, you know, no, man. Mm. No, too soon. He, too unless soon. he brings back that red scarf or whatever he allegedly <laughs> took from her. Was it a, was a cardigan? Was it a cardigan? I don't remember the if it was a sweater or a scarf. <laughs> it, I don't know. I actually don't know her songs. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that one about Shake It Off or something because Quinn used to really like it. It is a I, good one. I bet I would like Taylor Swift. I think I'll I'll listen after this podcast. It's also it a good D&D. Be good at D&D. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> like you do. You have to it. shake things off. Every once in a while you get like uh, stunned or restrained. Shake it off. Shake it off. Good advice. I think there actually was a fourth edition power called Shake It Off now that I'm thinking of it. Really? Yeah. <gasps> I think it was like a healing. Maybe she does play D anD D, but only fourth edition, (laughs) (laughs) which is a weird addition to be the only one you play. But more power to you. That's when she came of age. That's what makes sense, right? Yeah. She does like to write about her life experiences, so (laughs) makes sense. Well, as we've been talking talking about, about? we're all we're we're turning failure into fun here. I think, and that is a huge part of this this game. I think in storytelling is is realizing that it can sometimes feel bad to roll a one, but I I mean, as Shelley and I have said many many times, like that's where the 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 funniest slash most dramatic moments can come. Uh, So recent last year, after a couple games, I started noticing that people would get really really upset and really mad or. Um, in some cases, uh, not ever failing. And um, I saw this in a couple of stream games or like just, oh, natural one. And how negative. Are, and I'm, I've literally had some of the best moments in games because I failed to roll. Because mm. I, I in um, Redwall, Eulia, my character died, died. Oh. And the only, and, and in that I got to see the other side. I got, to, my character got to talk to her mother. <gasps> and like. It was this really big emotional thing that if I had survived that, if I had made those saves, we would have never gotten that really good emotional moment. My character would have never had a huge growth and we would have never like learned a lot of things about the world. And I think a lot of people are just so hung up on that nat 20 that they don't take the moment or time to understand what failure can do. In real life, if you fail, you learn from it, you grow, you get new knowledge. And I think that should be the same thing in a game. So yeah. when when that happened in in Redwall, did you 
Was that is that part of the game, or did your dungeon master come up with this idea? Uh, in the book, in the world, there is like the afterlife, and he wanted to incorporate it. And my character just happened to die, and it worked oh. out really well that he got to incorporate that into the world in the game. And I, I think it was one of the best moments my character got to have. I think it sounds amazing. I've it, always it was loved great. turning yeah. player death into mm-hmm. a storytelling moment too, right? Where it's like, okay, yeah, you're you're making death saves, and we hope you get you back in the fight or whatever. But if you show some type of afterlife moment or a dream or some vision that they're having from a plot point, you know, that you might want to introduce later on. Like, that's just, you know, you can't really get that unless there's that moment of danger. Right. And that's cool. The same thing with, like, failing saves. Mm. Uh, You don't get through this obstacle, but a new thing happens or you get, um, that's why, like, certain games, um, what's what's a good example? I can't think of one anymore, but you get experience when you fail. Yeah. And I think that's kind of how life is. And I think that's how a lot of games should be. Like, your nat one, an investigation, shouldn't necessarily get you nothing. Maybe it gets you bad information, the wrong information. And now you don't know. <laughs> and that's yeah. what your character's oh, going to go off of now. And that's, yeah. I think, it adds more Leads fun. to more story. And it gives yeah. more flavor to each thing. Like, if your character's always winning, always succeeding, where, where the fun goes away. If you always yeah. know you're going to succeed, where's the fun in that? For sure. I, I'm i playing with kids now, <laughs> and um, the failure part is mm-hmm. I'm noticing, like, some of them do get kind of bummed if, like, they didn't make their saving throw or they didn't roll high enough to get, mm-hmm. like you're saying, like, the, the right information or they just – they didn't hit their target. And I can see, like, a little bit of, like, oh. So mm-hmm. I, I am trying to make it still – feel fun and not like, well, that was your turn, moving on. Like, I still want them to either taking a, a page out of Greg's book and be like, what does mm-hmm. it look like when you, you know, use this weapon or cast this spell and then make it kind of even funnier. Like, well, now what does it look like when you <laughs> that? Like, did you trip over a rock on your way? Like, you know, or whatever. But I, it is something I'm trying to be conscious of because I also think it's a good lesson mm-hmm. For a nine-year-old to learn that you're not always successful, and that's okay. You're still contributing to the party in other ways. So I also don't want it to turn into, like, everybody gets a trophy participation moment. Like, I I do still want them to feel a little bit of the, like, better luck next time feeling, but not be discouraged. So I don't know if there's advice there on, like— I like what what you said. um, Even if you fail giving the player a little bit of control of the narrative, like, oh— so your fireball always looks, or your, your, yeah, your fireball usually looks like this. It hit nobody. What does it look like when it goes off the rails? Or what does it look <laughs> right. like when you, when you, you didn't find the information you're looking for? What were you doing instead? Like, were you like, did you go make a sandwich in the corner for some reason? <laughs> Just, yeah, it, it gives a little bit more flavor and then turns a little bit less of the failure. Like, oh, well, at least I get a, I get a narrative moment. I get to do, yeah. my character is doing something. They're not just sitting there unhelpful. Yeah. Like maybe like. It, always assuming like a failure might isn't a failure. It's a it's a backstory moment. It's mm-hmm. a well, you know okay cool. Let's use this opportunity to tell me a little bit more about your character. Like they yeah. if like a couple of them were trying to do animal handling checks last week and they some of them just weren't even trained in it and they didn't roll high enough and then they felt bad like they didn't get to like help this moment mm-hmm. when when all the other kids got to like tame these guinea pigs um but <laughs> I'll questions, get to that. <laughs> questions about that now 
<laughs> Who are these guinea pigs? And were there fairies riding them? Because that sounds fun. Well, do, do, like, how, what do they become when you tame them? Are they like a mount? Or are they a beat? Like, do you they do fight become them? a mount. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds fun. Okay. <laughs> I, April, it's important for you to know that I am a very inexperienced dungeon master. And very yes. scared of dungeon mastering. Um, but, like, pushed myself out of my comfort zone, possibly for only, like, the second time in my life. <laughs> Because I'm just like, you know, if you're not comfortable, Shelly, don't do it. Don't worry about it. But I pushed myself and I said, proud I, of you I, for that. I started a D&D club at my son's elementary school. We are going into our fourth week. And so Yay. I, and, and actually, Greg, one of the girls asked me last week, how long have you been a dungeon master? And I was like, how long have we been doing this club? <laughs> Four <laughs> weeks. And she was like, wow, it seems like you've been doing it longer. How sweet is Aww. that? Yeah. Um, it's working. It's working. I'm tricking them. I'm tricking them all. <laughs> You're doing what every dungeon master does. <laughs> That's what it, it, just, make it So I do feel like there was a moment when all of the advice I've ever been given by other dungeon masters came to light. And they that we had just begun, and I was expecting them. We're playing the new starter set. So I was expecting them like, to like head up to Dragon's Rest to get their next quest. Because I literally said at the end of the week before, <laughs> you will go to Dragon's Rest next week. Congratulations. Um, but no. So one of the girls had, in real life, she made these little felted guinea pigs. They were really cute. But they're probably like the size of like a fist. Like, And I was like, oh, she. they all seem kind of interested in checking out these guinea pigs that she made. A little bit distracted, you know, because it's a Friday afternoon. So they, instead of going to Dragon's Rest, they decide... No, we want to sleep on the beach, like where they just had fought zombies. I'm like, does that seem like a good idea, you guys? Like, you already know, like, there's zombies here. And they were like, nah, we want to sleep on the beach. We're going to make a hut. So they went and they looked for materials. One of them had a magic item that was just like this never-ending vat of honey. And so they were like, we'll use the honey to, like, adhere all of, you know, to build our hut. Like, <laughs> it's a <like> construction. Of <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of smart. And then they were like, let's. Put honey around the hut like a moat in case any the zombies come back. They'll get stuck in the honey. I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do it. This is so, ingenious. Yeah, really even is. though I was like, well, I was kind of ready for you guys to go to Dragon Trust, but whatever. <laughs> like, now they just wanted to build and play. So, and then the two elves in the party were like, well, we don't need to sleep. Like, or we only have to sleep for a couple hours and we'll be fine. So we'll keep watch. I'm like, Oh my god, they're they're like getting it. They're starting to understand who their characters are. This is great. None of them except for one has played D D before. And then during the watch, they heard like a little scratching noise. Scratch, 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 scratch. And they went, one of them went to investigate and discovered two guinea pigs stuck in the honey. Because I was like, I have to bring these guinea pigs back because they all seemed really interested in them. And we got to use them along with our minis. But, of course, the guinea pigs are, like, the size of a fist. And the minis are, like, an inch and a half tall. So, like, the scale was, like, whoop, out of whack. But we're playing D&D. &D. Like, suspension of disbelief, we can we can handle. But, no. They were, like, uh, we really want—can they just be big? Can we just make them be, like, <laughs> like enormous guinea pigs? I'm, like, look at the scale of, like, this guinea pig to your mini. You want it to be that. It's, like, the size of an Amazon delivery truck. Is that cool with you? They were, like, yes, yes, we want— So they had to work together to, like, make the guinea pigs not be afraid because they were freaking out. They were stuck in honey and they were scared. 
So they had to do like some animal handling and all this roles. And some of the kids, that's why some of the kids were like, I wanted to help. I'm like, but you are helping. You're all helping. Like, it's okay. But um, one of them, the wizard was like, I want to use my mage hand to like push its butt out of the honey. <laughs> like, I don't think a, like mage hand couldn't possibly lift this guinea pig, but we're going to hand wave that because she was so excited about the idea. So they all like had to like, t- they'd use their rope and like, tied it around the guinea pigs and like pulled them away and then were eventually able to tame them and ride them so that they are now part of our our party is that they're riding the guinea pigs so the whole point of that story was there were kids that were disappointed because they didn't feel like they had were able to interact with the animals and they were like desperate they were like i want butterscotch to be my best friend Butterscotch is my friend. I'm like, okay, butterscotch is your friend. You don't have to roll. Just your friend. You can just have it. Like, yes. Just they were like, I rolled a seven. Does that mean hibiscus doesn't like me? No. <laughs> yes. They love you. <laughs> you're, you're friends. You're all just friends. Your pets hate you. <laughs> <laughs> These guinea pigs actually charge you and run you oh, over. Gnashing of teeth. <laughs> Did I, I do that. good though? I did good, right? That's amazing. I like that a lot. Totally. Like I'm learning. Just, just yeah. be, let them do what they want to do. And we spent 45 minutes, 45 <laughs> minutes building a hut and pulling guinea pigs out of honey. And they were, I had not, I have not seen them that engaged. No comment. We didn't do any comments. Yep. So players want to build a hut and tame some guinea pigs. That's what you got to do. Go for it. Go for it. But and it's like. They're going to be riding those guinea pigs into battle uh, and uh, right. swinging their mighty swords. And they, But I don't want them to be afraid of failure. So I guess that's the point. Is like, yeah. I feel like there is like this lesson there that I'm, I feel like I need to teach them, but not to the point where it's like, well, the D&D sucks because I, I failed. They right. just get a different outcome. They don't feel like animal handling. Check. They just brought the wrong the wrong snack for for hibiscus. Now I gotta go find the right snack for hibiscus. There you go. That's it. Maybe you can spend some time looking around to to get something that you think hibiscus might enjoy. And that's what I think is a valid lesson too. That I think even adult players forget sometimes. Where yeah. you'll try a strategy or a tactic, and it depends on whether or not you roll high or not, and then you don't, and then you just try it again and keep trying again. Keep trying That's again. I'm like, there might, yeah. as you said, like maybe you just need to try a different tactic, like different food to feed hibiscus, or maybe yeah. you're not just shooting arrows, uh, you know, at a thing that's 400 feet away. Like, you're, you know, you have to see that there is more optimal choices that you that's could be making. Why, like, it's a fantasy world. Like, I can't get in that door. Well, I have a shovel. Is the what is the wall made out of? Yeah, <laughs> it's just, like just find other ways depending on what your character's good at. Yeah. It's a dirt wall. Well, excellent. <laughs> Dig through it then. It could work. <laughs> That's a different check. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And I think that a lot of that has, you know, goes into uh, the idea that games can be a, a learning mm-hmm. uh, thing, right? It can be used to actually change ideas and biases that we have as well. Very much. And I, a lot of D&D, is, D&D's been doing that too. Like D&D's changed how it's, it's viewed the world and its biases. And I think because of that, a lot of the players are getting to get to change their own ways. Yeah. And that's a conversation, right? That's the, mm-hmm. the, the back and forth between uh, uh, fans and, and uh, us who publish it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, as part of that, you're an organizer for something called Games for Change. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Uh, Games for Change is a three and a half day uh, event. It usually happens about two to three times a year. Uh, we've been doing it on D&D Jordan Lee's channel. We spotlight creators of the community and um, a lot of organization causes and make an impact around the world that we are in. Um, over the last two years, we've raised over 22.5,000. Whoa. Uh, yeah, that's wow. what she wrote down. 22.5,000. Uh, for various charities, we got Color and Change, Stop AAPI Hate, and Take This were our big ones. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Uh, that's that's what I started playing D&D for, was to do charity events. And that's my favorite thing to do. So that's what I keep doing. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great that awareness fantastic. builder. Yeah. And there's one coming up? Uh, yes, the next one is in March. Then we're going to have one in July and then another one in November. We're going to do three this year. Wow. Right. Is that the most you've done in a year before? Um, I think for Games for Change, we usually try to do about three. That's great. And, um, and then we're going to sprinkle in a couple others. I uh, really want to do a stop AAPI hate one um, in a couple of week, in a couple months. And then we have a few others that we're planning for other events. Awesome. I just saw uh, um, Simon Leo on Celebrity Jeopardy, and he was uh, raising money for that cause as well. I was very, I, I watched that one for him. I was like, yay, stop AAPI hate, and you're so good. <laughs> And uh, I don't know if anybody, people who loved the uh, music album that we made around Spelljammer, Spelljams, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> one of the artists on there was also on Celebrity Jeopardy. Who? Reggie Watts. No. Oh, he was. If you, ha- you, you must watch this episode. It's got, well, it's got, uh, you know, Mayim Bialik is doing the um, mm-hmm. hosting for Celebrity Jeopardy. And of course, with her ties to Big yes. Bang Theory, there's already a D&D connection there. Mm-hmm. But the one with Reggie is basically like Celebrity Jeopardy on SNL. It is (laughs) so funny. I must find that. Yeah, because it's, I think, three comedians uh, who uh, go off the rails quite a bit. Oh, my gosh. None of them take it seriously at all. No, not at all. And Reggie Watts does like three different accents. Uh, I think he does French, German, and maybe just upper class (laughs) British at one point. It's One of them I couldn't tell. One of them was just an accent. (laughs) It's just him being weird. Generic accent. Yeah. <laughs> Did they turn failure into fun? If they missed Many it? times. They yeah. Did. They turn all the times they got it wrong into being funny as well. Eliza Schlesinger is on there too, and she cracks me oh, up. Oh, she's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I like her a lot. Um, okay, that's that. So comedians together also speaks about chemistry. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I know in April, we kind of touched on this a little with like the applications and all that, but it is important to find, like, have the right Mm -hmm. mix of people with you at your table. If you um, find yourself either now that conventions are coming back and in store play is coming back, and those are all great ways for people to jump in and learn either learn how to play D&D or just get your D&D game fix or any game. What is the what are some good ways when you can't really change who's sitting at the table with you but like to kind of like build up the chemistry like especially because you don't have time to really get to know mm-hmm. these people like how do we speed up that bonding process? Uh, I always suggest always do a session zero if you can, especially if there are people who haven't played with each other before because that's a good way to kind of one get to know each other. Um, and if you can, do a, a 0.5, which is a thing that we've just started doing that a friend of mine got me onto, um, where you play a mini session of the game that you're going to play in your characters. So you kind of, one, get to know your characters, and two, get to know the people at your table. Because oh. a lot of the times, especially stream games, the first time you play those characters and with those people are live. 
And I don't know about anyone else for any D&D thing, but there has not a single character I play live has had the accent that I practiced <laughs> pre that game <laughs> or played the way I thought they were going to play. So that's why I really like the 0.5 because it gives you a chance to be like, oh, that's that's not what I was going to do, but that's what I'm doing now. Uh, okay. And so it's uh, it kind of gets you more in that mindset with your character and everyone else in the party. Um, it's like a dress great, rehearsal kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like a dress that rehearsal. Idea of like, all right, we're going to do it mostly, but there's a little bit of a safety net still. Um, also, uh, I like having an open communication, have the discords, have the slacks, the Twitter messages so everyone can chat. Um, trying to get your table built up as early as possible before air date, game date is, I think, always really important because that's that's when you get the chances to meet everyone. Um I can't tell you how many people I've been in games with. I can't tell you a single thing about them um, or if I like them as a human. Uh, not for any reason, but because our whole interaction was just in character. Um, that's why that's we have uh, after show things now that we do. We do um, stars, wishes, and feelings. We talk about like our favorite things everyone else did, what we did. And it gives oh. the group a chance to kind of bond as well as sh- kind of talking about what you liked about the game, what you liked about your character, and what you liked about somebody else. Oh, wait, that's really interesting. Um, I, I like it a little bit more than Stars, Wishes, and Feelings, which I love. I still do those. Um, Can you explain that but, a little bit for folks who may not know what oh, that yes. means? Stars, Wishes, and Feelings is what you do after a game. Um, we do this actually after our home games as well now, mm. where you talk about um, stars, the cool things that everyone else did, a moment in the game that someone else did that stood out to you that you're like, I want to give you praise for that. Like, you were so cool. That was such a good idea. Or you just did a thing. Or someone um, just was in character really well. Like you portrayed your character in a great way. Wishes, um, things that you wish to see. Like I wish that we could fight a big dragon. Or I wish that we can like move on to the next adventure part of this game. Feelings is how you feel. Are you tired? Are you happy? Um, are, you, are you not really feeling how you should feel? Like your character feels. And that kind of gives the DM also a chance to hear what the players are saying and kind of rebuild the game. There have been a few times in Wishes I was like, oh, you all want to do that? I didn't put that, that's in the game now. <laughs> um, same with feelings. Like people are like not feeling a certain type of puzzle. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to kill all those know. puzzles and put something else in. Yeah. And that's when we started adding, um, I forgot the word for it, but it's you give yourself a star pretty much. Mm. Like this is something that I was proud of in this game. Um and oh. it gives the player who's just spent this whole time talking about how they feel about other people a moment to be like, this is the coolest thing and feel good about what they did in the game or their addition. Because there have been there have been games that it's another character is kind of like the lead in that episode or that, that session and they do most of the stuff and your character kind of feels left out. And that helps the DM go, oh, so you don't feel like you have a star. Okay, cool. Let's talk about why you don't feel that you were part of the game. Um, and let's kind of like work on a way to bring you into the game. And doing that talk with the DM really helps them also help build better relationships in character. Yeah, I did a, yes. uh, a, a, a the longest running campaign I'd had in, in New York. Uh, we had like a three and a half year campaign. And it was like a prototype of that where we every mm-hmm. each session, it was just favorite moments. And you couldn't choose a favorite moment from you, that you did. It was a favorite moment mm-hmm. from, from someone else at the table. And it was, sometimes you would just be like, all right, well, the session's over. We got to go. And it was a bit of a burden, but I still love that we did it each time 
because it built up that that open lines of communication mm-hmm. um, and did a lot of the things that the formalized, you know, what you're talking about there, the stars, wishes, and feelings, um, and and uh, star moments for the, for yourself. Like it, it it allowed all of those those conversations to happen, and I think yeah. that's one thing that is sometimes missing is those lines of communication that go not necessarily on critique, but just you know how how we can improve the game or or you know make sure that everyone is aware. Mm-hmm. Um, that there might have been some ruffled feathers, for example. And I think, oh, and I, I mean, I've had bad games. And then you get the star and you're like, oh, wait, you you liked, you think what I did was good. Or like, you realize like, oh, I was internalizing feelings that weren't real. <laughs> and you kind of get to help understand how your character is. Um, oh, man. That's what I like about it. I feel that feel all the time when you're like, I thought everyone hated me, but you all said that was good. And it's like, You all really oh. liked that decision. Oh, <laughs> man. Okay, cool. <laughs> Is the, the neurodivergent urge to hate yourself. <laughs> we don't have that. <laughs> I feel seen. <laughs> I love this so much. I wrote all that down because we're going to do that now at the D&D Club. It's also like important for them to recognize other people's accomplishments. Yeah. You know, you're not... Especially that age. The, Yeah, you're not always the center of the universe. But to be able to like get to give and receive a compliment from your peers and to give one to your peers, I think that's really important. I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. You love also it. get to see who's not paying attention when they're not on. Uh, there have been a few times I'm like, like, I don't know. Someone is, I'm like, you don't know what anyone else in this game did for the last five hours. <laughs> just <laughs> name one anyone. thing someone else did. I don't care what it was at this point. Just name one thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We've all been there in, in meetings and other things as well too, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the wait to talk versus. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I think my internet cut out for a minute. What <laughs> What did you just say? <laughs> I said you're really pretty. <laughs> oh, 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 thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, I didn't hear that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think they're, uh, you know, when and Shelly and I put, were putting together uh, the Welcome to Dragon Talk book, I was really loved reading uh, Shelly's essay around Jay Tallsquall and how we were uh, excited to learn about um, ace representation uh, that he was uh, channeling. And uh, I know that's a really big, important part of, 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 you know, your initiatives and your identity as well. Uh, yes, I'm ace, uh, I think. And even more than that, I think it's more of a spectrum. And today I'm more ace than I was a week ago. And next week I might be more demi. <laughs> I think it's really um, important to talk about that. It's just a, a, a specific thing, but a, a flowing, changing sexuality is weird, all, y'all, <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Um, but I, there's a really cool thing happening, AceCon, that is coming up in February 11th. I have dates written down that I'm supposed to. The 10th through the 12th. 10th, the 12th. There you go. The 11th is in there. So <laughs> The 11th in there. is in there. Mine is. is on the 11th. I know what day I have to show up. Yeah. Um, so a couple months ago before PAX Unplugged, I got asked um, if anyone wanted to do a talk on asexuality for PAX. Uh, we put in the panel thinking... Why not? <laughs> There's 10 people who will show up. Um, at PAX Unplugged, they gave us one of the smaller... Um, Panel rooms, they were turning people away from the door. Wow. We had people standing in the crowd. We had against the walls. Um, someone was like partially live streaming it from their phone. Hmm. But they were literally turning people away for the entire duration of our panel. Which kind of was like, oh, there's a lot of us. Um, 
We didn't, none of us knew this. In fact, one of the people on the panel is a very good friend of mine that we didn't realize each one of us were ace until that day. Wow. Because so you were we on the panel? Yeah, because we don't really talk about it. Right. Um, it's one of those sexualities that's kind of been overlooked because it's the lack of real sexuality. And until quite recently, in a lot of media, it was a thing to be fixed. Um, yeah. If your character was ace, oh, you just need to get you to be sexual and then everything's good. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. And we're just now starting to see that. Yeah. I think it's amazing. I, no, I was like, back to Jay, like, think, like you're, you are saying a lot of the same things that he said to us, you know, bringing awareness to the, and how like he said, especially being a man, like, you know, people were mm-hmm. like, oh, like there's like this real pressure to be sexual and like, you just haven't met the right person yet and all. And it's, um, but everything that you were saying about having a panel at PAX in which people were turned away, this is why representation matters. It's um, now people are seeing there's people out there talking about it. There is a community and that mm-hmm. it, like, I can't imagine the relief somebody would feel in seeing that. that it was this the most emotional thing I've done. Um, I've done panels for other games. I've done other conventions for other stuff and like through work. Um, having someone cry at you and tell you that you've not had someone who's asexual tell you you're not broken is a big thing. Um, and I was crying afterwards. Uh, funny thing, during the the thing, during our intros about how we found out we were ace, each one of us said we, we thought we were broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and that breaks my heart that all every single one of us thought that because we've been portrayed in media as being broken. But like, if you're ace, you're not broken. None of us were broken. And even yeah. if you're still figuring out your sexuality, you're not broken. You're just figuring it out. Right. And that's, I think, one of the big things about this is to prove to everyone out there who's ace, who's still figuring out that you're not broken. You're one of us. You have a community. We're with you. There's like 20 gamers right here who are just like, hi, look at us. But not sexually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's a, that's a really super valid point, right? That there is this idea that if you see people portrayed a certain way in media, that that's how everyone should mm-hmm. act and or be. And if we have shown nothing over the last 20 years and interacting with children now who are, are starting to have, you know, my, my daughters are 9 and 11, so they're really at that age where mm-hmm. sexuality becomes something that is talked about with not in the home, right? Outside the home. Yeah. And, and they they're, got, they're about it, to figure that out. Yeah, They're about to figure it all out. And, and I love what's different about their generation versus me growing up is that they're having those open conversations because of the, all the representation that's seen. Um, you know, even, you know, talking about how it's a spectrum and how, you know, they don't know yet and then they, maybe they will one day, but we you know I'm not rushing to find out anything right now, but realizing that there is, there's questions and discussions and, um, validity to however they are identifying at that particular moment. And that's something that's really changed even in the last 10 years. In the, in the last 10 years, I, I'm in my thirties and I wasn't until, it wasn't until my thirties that I realized I was ace, um, and really fully accepted it. And I was like, yay, I, I now know what I was, um, up till 10 years ago, it was a medical diagnosis. Yeah. It was, it was, if you weren't sexual, it was a mental illness and it's not, it's just another sexuality. And so that's another big thing that we're fighting is like that one just recently came off of the, the list. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, just to bring it back to the gaming community, I love that 
these uh, smaller communities within gaming have been able to see each other and 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 mm-hmm. meet at places like PAX Unplugged to be like, oh, you, you know, it's almost like that Spider-Man meme of being like, oh, we're looking yes. at we, you're 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 like me, and not just talking about. It, we also get to do cool things like um, I like the game Monster Hearts. If you've ever played it, is about monsters dating. Mm-hmm. Um, the ace rules in it kind of suck. But we found out, like, you could just play it. And emotional intimacy doesn't have to be sexual. Yeah. Like, whatever yeah. you and your character feel is emotional intimacy is what it is. And that's that's one of the great things about, like, finding a group of people like that is you get to, like, kind of learn how to play games and play styles and figure out what you meant when you said, I'm playing this game, but you can't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> different type of emotional intimacy that you have to figure out. Yeah. 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 And like in all in role playing in some way, it also helps in mm-hmm. real relationships uh, outside of the game. I right? think, uh, have you experienced the- that? Have you experienced that? Like being like, Oh, I kind of like learned about myself through playing a I've, certain type of character. I definitely realized, um, the acceptance. I did not really say I was ace until I started playing games. And then I started playing ace characters, um, and making a point that all my characters are ace. And I realized I was doing this because I was trying to figure out how to tell people that I was ace. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I just made that a rule for my characters so I wouldn't have to explain in-game what I didn't want my characters to date. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until, like, I had a character that there were people, a couple of people were like, your character's dating wrong or your character's relationship being wrong. And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> no. <laughs> my character's in ace relationship and they relationship different. Yeah. And that's another great thing about diversity and like having these tables is we get to show those different types of relationships. Yeah. Exactly. And break down all the biases around them, right? So that if mm-hmm. anybody had the idea that, oh, they're wrong, well, it's like, look, you can see. Yeah. They're still loving and happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just different. It's just different. Some people like reality television and some people don't. <laughs> they're just different. Just doesn't different. mean they can't have a loving relationship. It certainly doesn't mean that they're bad people if they like reality television. Except, Not except, at all. except they are. Bad except. People. Except no judgment. It's like real housewives and come on. You know what? (laughs) April. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't expect it from you. (laughs) Whatever. Oh, I love it. it. I love it. I'll take it. Um, Thank you so much, April, for coming on and talking uh, about your experiences as well as all of the amazing games that you're playing in for charity and otherwise. Like, I can't believe there are so many to list, but if you could do, you know, the bullet points, one or two, three, four, what, you know, uh, what could people find where where you're rolling dice? Uh, The big ones. We'll do Ampestrano on Saturdays. Um, Fantastic Kings of Rita Fina with Hope LaVale on Wednesdays. We're currently funding for Villains, which is our VTM one, and Arkenholt on Thursdays. Every Ace, other Thursday. Right. And then you got AceCon coming up. AceCon. AceCon. I'm having a panel on the 11th, but we'll be doing panels the 10th through the 12th. I learned that today. <laughs> right here. <laughs> right here. You saw it all happen. Breaking uh, news. Right and then you got here. Games for Change in March. And Games right. for Change in March. We'll be putting out applications for DMs and players for that very soon. So keep an eye out for Twitter. Amazing. And where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at April Raygun on all social medias. I Yay. usually just check Twitter. So if you message me on Hive, I will not answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I should probably check that, too. Dang right? it, I, I made the account and then I forgot I about the account. <laughs> I literally I, just thought about it. <laughs> it went dark for like two weeks and I, it was, yeah, hard to get back into the thing of it. 
But I'm also uh, on there too. All right. Well, anyway, thank you, April. You are amazing. And amazing. Uh, I can't wait thank to see you. you in all of these games. Thank you for having me. You guys are amazing. And I, I need to know, Shelley, how the the lines, veils, and stuff work for your game. I can't wait. I can't wait to try it. That's such great advice. I want to know how it works for children. <laughs> I will let you know. Just the stars' wishes and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I it's, meant. I got. I went the wrong way. <laughs> so I knew what you meant. And the lines and veils are actually not a bad idea too for the kids. also very important. Um, <laughs> for but sure. yeah, this was great advice. All of it. Thank you so much. I had such a great time with that conversation. That was awesome. Uh, I love love talking to April. The all the the amount of of great like the charity stuff and all the great initiatives and the great advice. I love it. I love it. I love it all. I know. It was it's really great. nice. That was really fun. I am very excited to do Star's Wishes. Oh, shoot. Where's my notebook? <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I wrote it down. And feelings. Star's feelings. Wishes and feelings. Yes, 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 yes. What? That's that's such a good idea. Such a good idea. It is, yeah. And I, like I said, there's versions of it that you can do uh, and build into the after talk uh, of your yeah. sessions. Uh, or it. you can do an entire scheduled session that's just a talking session uh, around the game. Like I think doing that every once in a while is, is also really smart for, I agree. for a long-term campaign. I agree. Good Sweet. stuff. Well, we applaud everything that April is doing as uh, we do most of the folks in this community and all the amazing things that they are doing. So, Slow clap for everybody. Shout out to you listening to this right now, being a part of what is going on in Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. So you can follow along with everything that's going on, uh, of course, at all of the D&D Beyond locations, making your characters, as well as finding out about the news of the day and editorials around how to make spe- specific characters and things like that. Uh, and then, of course, follow along on social for any news and updates along those lines as well. There will be more fun stuff coming around the movie, perhaps. Mm. Uh, uh, that you should be paying attention to because it is very exciting. Very. Yeah. I mean, having a bard as the head of uh, of a heist crew, that seems pretty cool. That works. It works. Definitely. And we actually know it works because... We saw the movie. We did. It's really <laughs> Don't tell anyone, but it's fantastic. It's so good. <laughs> but I think us whispering that means that it's okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we we pass all the uh, the sensors uh, in that regard. Yeah, but who doesn't pass muster is drunky We don't know that. So last time we left our Tabaxi friend, she was meeting up with old friends and new. So yeah. Samson was teleported into the Radiant Citadel and was immediately accosted <laughs> uh, by some of the guards who demanded that he now pay his entry fee. Uh, but then he was um, helped out by Jonathan, our tabaxi friend who is with us, and another elvish priest and healer who vouched for uh, both Jonathan and Samson. Right. But that guy is sus. As as in the parlance of our times, Drunky was uh, was trying to figure some stuff out there about that elven friend. Uh, but for now, you are back in the 
near the Trade Discall, uh, and as well near the Court of Whispers, where you know there is another tabaxi that may be able to assist you in okay. learning more about your people's history. Let's go, let's go. All right, so you head to the Court of Whispers, which is a domed area, a uh, largish building. A lot of the buildings around it are are much smaller and are uh, the shops and business areas as well as uh, the apartments above them. Um, but the Court of Whispers is where a lot of the information that's going on in the civilizations that are run by this. And this is, uh, Jonathan is telling you this as you're heading there. And he says, uh, yeah, this is just where so many of the the speakers bring in people uh, and send them in there to find out what's happening and learn any rumors and hopefully um, get a pulse on what's happening within the communities that are connected to this citadel. Oh, I'm getting a pulse on things right now. Yeah. I say that looking at the, is that magic, is the healer still with us? Um, no, he, he, he's uh, stayed where the guards were. He was but like I on still... duty there doing like healing for people who needed it coming in. Oh, that's right. He did say he was staying. Okay. Yeah, so you enter uh, the area, and this is, it's a beautiful building. It's all like, you know, open plazas uh, with alcoves and archways uh, in a, I wouldn't say Art Deco style, but much more of like a mosaic um, uh, patterns and beautiful artworks on the wall. Lots of areas to have private conversations, but also be seen having private conversations. And as you walk in, you see that there's are lots of small groups of people um, you know, chatting quietly with each other. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they notice your small group of three coming in. Clearly, there's some eyes that look at you and maybe have a little bit of questioning looks uh, in your direction. I look at those people like, what? And they go, uh, nothing. And then hmm. look around. But then others then turn and, uh, yeah. Why don't you roll me actually a oh, perception shoot. check? Oh, God. Drunky. Uh, I am quite perceptive, actually. Oh, that's a 23. A 23. Okay, yeah! so yeah. While you see that there are definitely overt glances in your direction, there are some that are trying to be hidden looking at you as well. So uh, some of them are holding up a, a book oh, uh, in front of them and, and, and glancing through, you know, uh, there are some people who are trying to view what, what these newcomers are all about. Okay, Jonathan. What's with the dudes over there? Um, he says, well, as I said, this is a place where rumors and information are gathered. And if you come here, you are notable. I'm just looking for information. As our, I thought we were looking for our t- uh, fellow tabaxi. Yes. And Samson, Samson, in the meantime, is just like, just yeah, looking he's... around, just absorbing all this, not really saying much. But Jonathan says, I, uh, there might be, I think I, did you get to catch a glimpse of some fur up upstairs? Oh, I, I, let's go. Didn't notice, but let's go. Okay. Uh, and he takes you up a, a staircase uh, that uh, reaches up to the upper level. And there's like a terrace uh, there and a railing looking down into the courtyard that you were, you were just oh, in. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and you see a tabaxi woman uh, speaking to uh, two humans, uh, dark skinned, um, and they seem to be wearing green robes. And our tabaxi friend is wearing... Uh, yellowish gold um, tunic. Uh, Jonathan, is the, the the colors mean anything here? Um, not necessarily. Uh, it can mean um, uh, wanting to be part of the fashion or just because they like that color. Nice. That's lovely. Um, Drunky is 
like really excited to see another tabaxi. Hello. Um, the uh, tabaxi is gets your attention and kind of looks in your and then you Frankie see her waves. kind of put up one finger to her companions and uh, walks towards you with a questioning look on her face. Hello. Hello. I think we might be related. Uh, in what way? Are you of the Two Shoes clan? No. Uh, my clan affiliation is with Scarf Boot. Jonathan, do you know Scarf Boot? <laughs> Jonathan says, no, honestly. I, I actually did not know that we had this many tabaxi here on the Radiant Citadel. This is very exciting. Um, my name is Drunky Two Shoes, and I've come seeking information about... Well, and where my brother is, but in looking for my brother, I've discovered that I think my family has been here before. There's there's a perhaps you've heard of it, a very popular establishment called Drunky Two Shoes. I have uh seen that sign. Never been myself. I'm not much oh. of a drinker. Oh. Uh, well, oh okay. She, I licks, guess. she licks her paw in front of you. Hmm. Weird. Um <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um I I was hoping that because you're also a tabaxi, like you could help us find more tabaxi and perhaps figure out who these two shoes are that have come before me. Hmm. What you propose is intriguing for, I've never heard anyone want to find out more about our people. Oh, but we're so fascinating. I agree. Yes. I high five her. (laughs) <laughs> she, she, she's a little bit appalled. She's like, oh, uh, is, is this a custom? Yes. It means we agree. She, she tentatively raises her paw, the same one she was just licking. I was just going to say, is it that wet, sticky paw? <laughs> it is, indeed. Drunky tries to not let her see that she just wipes her paw on her, <laughs> on her furry hip. Meanwhile, Drunky has like, you know, alcohol uh, on her from spilling her drink. <laughs> thousand percent. <laughs> literally saving it for later. I'll admit, that's why I am here. What? To find out more about our people. Really? I've not found anything. In fact, I've wasted uh, far too much time uh, speaking oh. to these people here. Well, Jonathan, his family is uh, lives on some other plane. Jonathan, I, I can't remember your backstory. <laughs> it's understandable. Yes, no, it, it, I, I believe they came from another uh, civilization connected to these auroral diamonds, but the the connection is severed. We've got to find out a way to open it. You should help us because you would absolutely find out more information about our people. Do you have people? Little kitty cat in the yellow tunic? I do not. But scarf, it seems I... Maybe having some now. <gasps> I I can't help it. I I just full on embrace her. <laughs> she oddly enough uh, accepts your embrace. And, oh, uh, I lick her forehead. She starts sobbing in joy. <gasps> oh, this is the most touching thing ever. My name is August von Scarfboot. <laughs> August von Scarfboot, welcome. To the litter. And she just uh, continues hugging you. Mm. And we'll pause there. Let's pause pause here for a... Oh! (laughs) Let's pause here for a long time. We're just going to put a pin in this and pause right here. I love that. We'll take it next time to see the tabaxi team force attack. 
beautiful. Yeah.